Good evening or afternoon, Roster Watch Nation. This is the Trash Man, and this is the Fantasy Fallout for Week 7 going into Week 8. Let's get started. First game this past week, Broncos at Cardinals on Thursday night. Broncos won this one in convincing fashion, 45-10. to Royce Freeman suffered an ankle injury. They'll have an MRI this week to assess the damage. If he can't go, Philip Lindsay will have a field day against the Chiefs this week. Emmanuel Sanders is putting his best foot forward as the trade deadline approaches. 217 yards and two TDs over the last two games. And teams are noticing. They've been making some inquiries. And um, one can only speculate as to what kind of production he can have <laughs> with a more competent quarterback. Case Keenum seems to only be able to really support one receiver in any one contest. So things could and probably would open up for Demarius Thomas should Sanders move. Or they might actually trade Demarius Thomas and Sanders could see the tick up. Cortland Sutton is basically operating as a tight end in Denver, garnering few targets but making them count. He hasn't topped three receptions once this season. But he scored in two of his last three games. Unless Sanders or Thomas is traded, Sutton offers little upside outside of dynasty or keeper formats. On the other side of the ball, Mike McCoy, former offensive coordinator for the Cardinals, was fired after Thursday night's debacle, and probably rightfully so. He didn't seem to really know how to best help Josh Rosen maximize his or really any of the other skilled players' strengths. Quarterbacks coach Byron Leftwich is taking over as the OC, so maybe there's a chance we'll get some life out of the Cardinals' offense this season just yet. Josh Rosen escaped what was thought by some to be a somewhat serious injury to his toe, as he was seen in a boot on Friday. But he should be good to go for Week 8 in a winnable matchup with San Francisco. Larry Fitzgerald scored for the first time this season, 40 reception. 40 receptions, 40 yards for one touchdown. But chances are you did not use him. Perhaps Leftwich will be able to dial up some better plays for him, but naggy injuries and an inconsistent rookie quarterback make Fitzgerald extremely difficult to trust moving forward. Moving on to the next game. The Titans at the Chargers in London. Titans losses were 19-20. to Tajay Sharp. Had seven receptions for 101 yards, and he led the Titans in receiving for two straight weeks now. The Titans have a bye in week eight, but he's someone to stash during that time in hopes of a second-half boom. He seems to have a pretty good rapport with Marcus Mariota. Mariota, um, well, his elbow seems to be doing better. 275 yards, one touchdown, one interception. And as that elbow goes, so does the Titans' offense. The Titans have underperformed over the last several weeks, so now might be a good time to pick up drop Tennessee skill players going into their Week 8 bye as it seems like the quarterback play will improve. On the other side of the ball, Melvin Gordon was a late add to the injury list with a hamstring injury. He gets the bye to mend up in Week 8, and he was close to playing on Sunday, so I think it's safe to assume he'll be back for Week 9. Tyrell Williams... Four receptions, 118 yards, one touchdown. Is on a bit of a tear as of late, operating as San Diego's deep threat on a pretty consistent basis. 
I thought there'd be some regression whenever Travis Benjamin returned. But Philip Rivers continues to stretch the field with Williams. With a decent floor and a sky-high ceiling, it seems, he's worth a flexion standard and deep format. Moving on to the next game, Bills at the Colts. Bills got blowed out 5-37. It might be first game jitters, but it does not look like Derek Anderson, who had 175 yards and three interceptions, is much, if any, improvement on a green Josh Allen or, hilariously, erratic Nathan Peterman. Allen is still healing, and Peterman is likely broken for the NFL. So Anderson may very well start against the Pats this week. Probably doesn't need to be mentioned that New England's defense is a strong streaming option in Week 8. LaShawn McCoy may have been concussed on Sunday, and he looked to have injured his ankle on the same play. Even if he's ready to go for Week 8, he's a poor option against a Pats team that stifles your best weapon, which McCoy obviously is for the Bills. Kelvin Benjamin had four receptions for 71 yards, and he may not actually be a terrible option this week as he and Derek Anderson have a rapport going back to the time together as Carolina Panthers. With the pass likely to focus on stopping McCoy if he plays, Benjamin could be the recipient of the majority of Anderson's targets. On the other side of the ball, I hope you guys took my advice on Marlon Mack last week. He had 159 yards and two touchdowns this week. He's the guy in Indy's backfield, and it's not really even close right now. T.Y. Hilton got the Tredavious White treatment in Week 7, and though his lackluster day was saved only by two short TD receptions, Hilton didn't have any injury setbacks after missing two weeks, and it looks like he'll be a safe option against the Raiders this week. Do you want more of the Roster Watch podcast? Well, now you can have it. The Roster Watch Pro Podcast is now available for pro subscribers at rosterwatch.com. All you have to do is sign up for a pro membership at rosterwatch.com. You'll get access to all pro podcasts as well as our tools for fantasy draft season like the epic and magical mystical cheat sheets, in-season tools like the matchup tool, snap counts, touches, targets, touchdown dependencies, so much more. And then our DFS products, including the DFS cheat sheets for DraftKings and FanDuel, the Vegas tool, the Hyper DFS Professional Lineup Optimizer, and so much more. If you play preseason DFS, Rosterwatch Pro is for you. We'll have weekly previews of the main slates for all of our pro members mixed in with exclusive content from the 2018 Training Camp Tour. And then in season, you're going to be able to enjoy Byron Lambert's legendary trade cast, uh, the Waiver Wire podcast, uh, premium podcasts like our weekly DFS breakdown. All this, all our tools, and all the access to us that you can imagine for the lowest price in the industry. We are a nation. Join us at rosterwatch.com. Moving on to the next game, it's the Browns at the Buccaneers. The Browns seem to make all these games interesting, even if they're not winning them. They lost this one 23-26. Nick Chubb stepped in after the Browns traded Carlos Hyde to the Jags this week, or this past week, and went right to work with 15 carries, 80 yards, and a touchdown. He had 18 touches to Duke Johnson's five, so there's no issue there. He's almost a carbon copy of Hyde in stature and weight. He'll produce in a like manner, I think, meaning he'll be touchdown dependent to some degree. But even so, he's an automatic RB2 going into week eight. Antonio Callaway, it was nice knowing you. He had one reception, 14 yards. He's super talented, but he's unfocused, and you can drop him outside of Dynasty Leagues. 
on the other side of the ball. I know that Alex hates Adam Humphreys and doesn't consider him a fantasy option, which he probably really isn't. Uh, but Jameis Winston sure seems to think highly of him. Humphreys was the number two wide receiver in Winston's book on Sunday as his eight targets were second only to Mike Evans and O.J. Howard. Humphreys isn't good enough in fantasy to warrant much consideration outside of PPR formats. And even worse, his presence just complicates things for Chris Godwin and Deshaun Jackson. Peyton Barber had 11 touches and only 30 yards. He injured himself in the third quarter, after which Ronald Jones uh, took over. He had seven touches, 28 yards, and a touchdown. Barber's activity this week should probably be monitored, but neither he nor Jones make for anything other than middling flex options in week eight, kind of no matter what happens. It's not an exciting backfield there for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Moving on to the next matchup, the Lions at the Dolphins. Lions won this one 32-21. Seems like the Lions and Kerryon Johnson have hopefully turned a corner. Johnson blew up on Sunday with 179 yards on 21 touches and out-touched LeGarrette Blunt by 11. The Lions are better when he stays in the game. And though Blunt is an effective goal line option, KJ should see more action going forward. So I'd play him like an RB2 with high upside. Tight end Michael Roberts scored for the third time in two weeks. He had two on Sunday, and it seems to he seems to have the lead for the Lions tight end spot. There's still quite a few mouths to feed in Detroit in the passing game, but Michael Roberts is worth a look in deep formats as a streaming option that you're hoping catches a touchdown or two. On the other side of the ball, Kenyon Drake outgained Frank Gore 87 yards to 33, but Gore still outtouched him 11 to 10 on the day. Both will remain close to equally involved moving forward, sapping much of each other player's fantasy value. Both Kenny Stills and Albert Wilson are doubtful to play in this week's Thursday night game with the Texans this week. Wilson may actually be lost for the season with a hip injury. He's getting uh, an expert's opinion this week. While Stills may just miss this contest. In any case, Dan Amendola and Jakeem Grant should be added in most formats going to the matchup. Devontae Parker uh, was a healthy scratch in Week 7, and I think he's a strong trade candidate as he and the Dolphins are at odds right now. If a trade doesn't happen this week, he would start opposite Jakeem Grant on the outside. So I don't know. He's not really somebody I want to take a chance with, but you know, maybe for DF per, per, DFS purposes, he's somebody to look at. Moving on to the next game, the Patriots at the Bears. Patriots won this one 38-31. Sonny Michel injured his knee on Sunday, but seemed to have avoided structural damage. Even so, he's a long shot to play in Week 8, leaving James White and Kenyon Burner to man the backfield. Burner will be a hot pickup this week. The absence of Rob Gronkowski has left enough targets for Josh Gordon and Chris Hogan to thrive, each in their own right. Hogan will be on the flex radar as long as Gronk is gone, which will probably be for another week as the Patriots probably won't push him to play against the Bills. Uh, this week, as it should be an easy win. On the other side of the ball, Allen Robinson 
only had one reception, four yards, went missing on Sunday. It's hard to tell whether his groin injury was bothering him or if Mitch Trubisky just couldn't sync up with him. I mean, really, if you look at his catch total this season, you had to expect a game like this at some point. He's only top four receptions twice this season, and his last two weeks were only sweetened by touchdowns. He's actually not that getting... He's not getting that many receptions. He's not getting that much yardage in the Bears' offense. The fact that Taylor Gabriel also had a stinker, three receptions, 24 yards, indicates that perhaps Trubisky was kind of relegated to attacking the middle of the field with short passes as Trey Burton and Tariq Cohen led the Bears in targets this past week with 11 and 12, respectively. Moving on to the next game, it's the Texans at the Jaguars. Texans pulled this one off 20-7. Lamar Miller had his best game of the season on Sunday in conjunction with his most touches. He had 23 of them. He outtouched Alfred Blue 22-8, so maybe the win will help make that kind of workload a trend for Miller. I'm not sure. Um, His good game may have something to do with the fact that Deontay Foreman is close to returning. And Miller wants to keep his job. Either way, he should be a solid start in Week 8 against the Dolphins, who just got eaten up by Kerryon Johnson. Kiki QT aggravated his hamstring on Sunday and is expected to miss Week 8. Fellow rookie Vincent Smith would would be the slot man in his absence. Smith showed some promise in the offseason, so... It's not out of the realm of possibilities that he could be a fantasy asset for the length of time QT will be out. On the other side of the ball, Cody Kessler, former Browns quarterback, was a slight improvement over Blake Bortles on Sunday, posting a 79.3 QB rating to Bortles 64.9. Kessler was at least able to throw a touchdown, a feat that eluded Bortles during his time under center in Week 7. You know, while this might be a boon for the Jags in some way, as a team, fantasy owners are wincing as Kessler is really just a game manager, and he doesn't have half the arm that Bortles does. You know, we can expect a dink and dunk offense as long as he's under center. One Jags player that did have a decent game was Dante Moncrief. He had six, six, oh, seven receptions, actually, for 76 yards. I predicted he'd have a pretty good game this week as the Jaguars didn't really have a tight end going into this one. As long as Niles Paul and James O'Shaughnessy are out, Moncrief could serve uh, kind of as a safety blanket for the conservative Kessler moving forward. Moving on to the next game, the Vikings at the Jets. Vikings won this one 37-17. Stephen Diggs, eight receptions for just 33 yards, was stymied by Morris Claiborne most of the day, and he couldn't get anything going after the catch. With only 33 yards in each of his last two games, Diggs makes for a nice trade target. As his target share in the games is still high, and he faces the Saints this week, so you can expect a bounce back. Latavius Murray is playing well in Dalvin Cook's stead, 73 yards and two touchdowns on Sunday. And Cook's return is not imminent. I don't know when he's coming back. I don't think anybody else really does right now. Murray is still unowned in over 25% of leagues, so you need to go get him. 
On the other side of the ball, Jermaine Curse had a nice fat goose egg four-year on Sunday after leading the Jets past catches and targets and yards in Week 7. Sam Darnold only completed 40% of his passes, so that doesn't help his cause. It's going to be difficult to trust any Jets receiver against Chicago this week. Although one pass, pass catcher who you might want to take a chance on, tight end Chris Herndon, who had four receptions, 41 yards, and a touchdown. He seems to be a Darnold favorite right now, scoring in consecutive weeks now. With Darnold having little success downfield, it might be prudent to stream Herndon against the Bears as, uh, again, a safety blanket for his young quarterback. If Bilal Powell, who injured his neck on Sunday and had to leave the game, can't go this week, Trenton, Trenton Cannon could play a big part in New York's Week 8 scheme. He had four receptions for 69 yards once Powell left the game on Sunday. And moving on to the next matchup, it's the Saints at the Ravens. Saints edged this one out 24-23. to All was right in the world in Week 7 for Alvin Kamara's owners who were losing their minds after his disappointing week six, scratching their heads, wondering what was going on. Kamara had 75 yards and a touchdown. You know, I said it then, and I think this was a case of the Saints, wanted a strong welcome back from Mark Ingram before getting their true 1A back to the forefront. Both are going to get double-digit touches for the most part moving forward, but Kamara will remain the focal point of the Saints' offense. Traquan Smith had three receptions, 44 yards. He played ahead of Cameron Meredith in Week 7, getting six targets to Meredith's zero targets. Smith could have a major Week 8 if Xavier Rhodes plays through his ankle injury and plots to take Michael Thomas out of the game plan. So look out for him. On the other side of the ball, Alex Collins outtouched Buck Allen again this week, 14-6, but couldn't get much going on the ground. In fact, Collins hasn't topped 68 rushing yards yet, this season the Ravens offensive line is ailing right now and to add to that the Ravens have been a pass first team over the past few years so you're going to have to temper expectations for Collins and a breakout from him anytime soon you know we were expecting a Willie Sneed feast after his 10 target week six but he wasn't able to do much with his seven targets this week This past week, he was tied for second on the team in looks with Michael Crabtree, but couldn't get much going after the catch. Go figure that his best matchup so far this season brought about his worst game. He's really only an option in PPR formats right now, unfortunately. And to the next contest, it's the Cowboys at the Redskins. More questionable play calling from Jason Garrett. I won't get into that, but I will get into the trade that just happened. Just when you thought the Cowboys roster was chock full of consistently inconsistent receiving options, they go and add Amari Cooper to the mix in a trade with the Raiders this afternoon. I really can't say this is a marked improvement for the Cowboys offense or for Cooper's fantasy outlook. As Cooper's production and or lack thereof is all in his own head or hands. What I can tell is I'm hands off any other Cowboys pass catchers right now as I'm not sure the Cowboys offense can support more than one primary target. The news of Cooper's edition outshines what otherwise would be a coming out party for Michael Gallup who had three receptions for 81 yards and a touchdown. 
Gallup had been coming on in the recent weeks, but the addition of Cooper relegates him to, you know, being a dynasty hold once again and not much else until otherwise is, is seen. On the other side of the ball, Capri Bibbs filling in for Chris Thompson, 56 yards and a touchdown. He seems like a sexy ad this week if Thompson can't go. But you have to keep in mind he only had two touches on the ground on Sunday. He did have four receptions, though. I guess that's a pretty solid <laughs> stat line for an Alex Smith-led offense. But I still think Bibbs is a dicey play in fantasy going into week eight. On to the next matchup, the Rams at the 49ers. Rams ran away with this one, 39-10. Don't get caught up in Malcolm Brown's 13 carries to Todd Gurley's 15. The Rams played with a comfortable lead all day, so Gurley's services weren't necessary for the entire duration in the game. Josh Reynolds, who we thought might show up on Sunday with Cooper Cup being absent, only had one reception for 19 yards, wasn't really called to do much on Sunday. You can drop him if you picked him up, even if Cup misses week eight. On the other side of the ball, Alfred Morris led the 49ers backfield in carries, but it was Raheem Mostert who outtouched him and Matt Breida 11-9-5 and five on Sunday. And he had the best fantasy day in the process, 78 yards overall. Breida was in and out after aggravating his ankle and may sit out in Week 8, making Mostert a flex-worthy play in all formats, even with Morris involved. On to the last game on Sunday night, the Bengals at the Chiefs. Bengals lost this one 10-45. The Bengals were simply outmatched in this one. Tyler Boyd. Three receptions, 27 yards, has fallen back to earth after a strong start to the season. It lends some credence, some credence to the argument that, you know, he was pretty much an extension of the running game while Joe Mixon was out, as his yardage has dropped precipitously since Mixon has returned from injury. He's more of a flex than a wide receiver, too, currently. On the other side of the ball, not really much to say out of the ordinary for the Chiefs. Everybody... Everybody was popping off on Sunday. There's nothing really interesting to be gleaned from the game. Other than that, Spencer Ware makes for a sneaky DFS play in weeks where the Chiefs have good matchups and may be playing with a big lead. He had 89 yards on the night. And this was the fantasy fallout for week seven going into week eight. Good luck, Roster Watch Nation. It's the trash man. I'll see you on the other side.